Hello, this is Tom Williams, and you are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's Interview Podcast. For the first time in six years of these podcasts, I have an opera star. He is Nathan Gunn, who's probably the most sought-after baritone in the world, who is starring in the great production of Showboat at the Lyric Opera. Hello, Nathan. Hello. Happy to be here. Uh, yes. Tell us about how you got involved with with, uh, with Showboat, uh, with all the you know the great operas that you've been doing. Uh, what what got you to uh, get interested in doing this show? Well, it's uh, the first time I was asked to sing it. This is the second uh, uh, Gaylord Ravenel I've done. The first was at Carnegie Hall, and uh, and Francesca Zambello, who's the director of this production, was asked to direct a semi-staged version of it, and she said, "Well, uh, I think you know, let's ask Nathan if he'll do it." So I took a look at the score. And uh, and I said to uh, Paul Gemignani, who is uh, conducting it, "Hey, Paul, can you know can some of these tunes be transposed a whole set because it looks like it was written for a tenor?" And he said, "Absolutely, that's not a problem." I said, "Well, great." And uh, I think it's a fantastic part and a and a uh, great sing, and I'd be happy to do it. And then when this project came up, uh, I was uh, approached. Well, by the Lyric Opera of Chicago, but I know that uh, Francesca was a big part of the uh, casting, and they asked if I'd be interested in doing a full production of it, and I said uh, I absolutely would because I think it it belongs in the Opera House. It's a it's a seminal piece of, of American music theater, and um, and so I jumped on board. Terrific, and uh, and it was a good. Uh, it, it was definitely a good pick. Yeah, some people thought uh, that. That you were, you know, a little out of your league. That in the fact that it was a, um, that it was a tenor role. But boy, I'll tell you, it sounded great. And you and, and Ashley Brown on the duets. It, I didn't, oh yeah, it was just, it was just awesome. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's a funny. I think some people when they they, they maybe want to hear a tenor scream out of B flat, but they don't want to hear a baritone do it. <laughs> and and you know, it's one of those things too that one uh, one of the reasons why I love that era of American musical theaters because it's written for voice types like mine. The protagonists are always high lyric baritones. Yeah, and, that, you know, that's what a couple of the of my uh, music critic friends who who really know music yeah. uh, they were saying. Yeah, they said they said you were you were spot on, and uh, the production was was just outstanding. It's a great production. Yeah, isn't it? And uh, how was Ashley Brown to work with? Uh, I, I thought she did a great job. She's not Mary Poppins anymore. Oh no! Well, you know what's really funny is that if you know Ashley, you know she's a, you know she's like you know most people in theater. She's she's you know she is who she is. She's right out there, and no subject is uh, off limits. So if you think of her as Mary Poppins, you might be surprised when you have a conversation with her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's great, uh, absolutely. I mean, just in general, she's a, a easy colleague to work with, and she has as all I have all musical theater people that I've worked with. She has a tremendous work ethic. Wow. And she, she want, you know, they all, they want, you know, the idea that we would have two days off before opening night was, was terrifying to Ashley and to, you know, Cindy, uh, uh, Gold and uh, all the people that are, Bernie, uh, um, Yvonne, all these people that are used to having, you know, rehearsals right up to the opening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I know our, most of these, I've interviewed a, a number of them and, and they were just so happy to, to be working, uh, 
at the lyric and and working with talent like you you guys. I, I thought Robbie Lehman did the best thing he's done in his career, and I've seen almost all his shows. He's great at it, just absolutely great. Ross, right? I mean, he goes by Robbie. That's yeah, right. yeah. Well, that's kind of a nickname. I uh, I guess that's a local thing. Yeah, it's Ross Lehman, but he, but we all call him Robbie. And uh, Bernie Vaughn is a, is a just a fun guy. He's great. He's great. They all, I have to. We all really, really get along. It's been an absolute pleasure to put this together, and we all. This is another great thing about that I've experienced, and it isn't only with this particular showboat, but I, you know, I notice it working with you know, Mandy and and Kelly O'Hara, and you know, doing Camelot and with the New York Phil, and they, when you bring people in from different disciplines, you've got the, you know, the the opera singer, the classical singer, and then you have the singing actor, and then the acting singers, and then the hoofers, and the, all of we all learn from each other, and and it, it bumps up, I think, our uh, the the level of quality that you get out of each person. You know, I I couldn't agree more. You can tell in the show. I go, you know, I review everything, so I go every night. You can tell when when a cast isn't getting along, when they're just kind of going through the numbers, or when there's yep. that that certain spark that just makes it just you know move to another level. It's hard to define, but you know it when you see it. Oh yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, and I've talked to uh, to a number of, of people in the cast, and they were just just spellbound to be involved in this, and that's that's that says <laughs> a lot for the piece. It's pretty grand, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it's yeah. it's one of the better things I've seen, and the audience reaction has been pretty good for it too. Because, you know, they were a little nervous. Some of the old-time opera people don't like anything that isn't an opera. You know, they get mad if they do Gilbert and Sullivan. Right. But I think, I agree with you, I think this is an operetta, and uh, it certainly it belongs in an, in the opera house. And, you know, there, there, I know that there are people that are out there that disagree with me, but um, I know a lot of operetta, and I know a lot of, uh, you know, bel canto pieces, and I don't understand why this would fall into any other category than, than Pizzabofluta from the Magic, you know, the Magic Flute by Mozart. Mm-hmm. It's got dialogue, it's got great duets, and it tells an interesting story. It's, you know, you, you're singing some things that are incredibly difficult, other things that are a little bit easier, lots of different styles. It's, it's just, you know, American. It's our story. Yeah. It, it, some people, you know, don't like that. <laughs> well, I guess they get, they get hung up on the operas. And as someone pointed out to me, there's only 200 operas about uh in in the world well that are done yeah yeah that are, that are done so that uh you know a little variety uh, doesn't work but yeah. the reality- and, you know and the, and the truth is you know when people say musical theater shouldn't be in the opera house that's kind of like saying opera shouldn't be in the musical theater house. you know it's like when i say opera i could be talking about anything from from the coronation of popea that's the very first opera that we know of to like Love Another Demon by Peter Utfisch, which sounds totally different. Or you've got Wagner. I mean, it, it, the variety is the difference between Jesus Christ Superstar and Showboat. Or, you know what I mean? It, it, yes. It, 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 you just can't, it's too broad of a term to be able to be for or against. You, you really have to talk about specific things. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you uh, technique-wise uh, a sure. question. Moving from opera where we're, you know, you mentally and physically prepare when you're going to be belting for two or three hours. Right. To to uh, a show where you're doing dialogue, you're doing a lot of acting, yep. and then you're and then you're segueing into into the songs. How how do you approach that? Well, it's to be honest, it's a it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing for any 
you know, high baritone. It's to, to the idea that somehow this is worse music or easier music because it's musical theater is just laughable. The hardest part I find with it is actually um, be, is due to the fact that it's a 3,500-seat house. So that, for example, uh, uh, Robbie, he can, since he doesn't have to sing anything, he can do all sorts of stuff with his voice acting because he doesn't really have to make a pretty sound in the next duet. Yeah, so he can he can really he can really sort of blast out. Yeah, and and so I mean I I discovered that I have to do that as well just to be understood. Everything is really in the world of opera we're taught constantly it's all about being resonant and legato meaning legato means everything being bound together, making sure that there's a a, a line of sound through everything. What I realized in the dialogue is that it has to be the opposite. It has to be loud and clipped and slow in order for this bouncy acoustic in the in this hall, uh, in order for us to be understood, especially lower voices, by the audience. So to go from that to then trying to sing something beautiful is challenging, but it's not impossible. Luckily, and this most people probably don't know, I, I was taught how to sing by a man named uh, William Miller who lived in Chicago and worked in Chicago. He sang for the Carnation Breakfast Hour when radio was king. Oh, my God. And that I don't remember. I go back, but not that far, but that's cool. Yeah, and so he sang oratorio. He sang some, you know, Copper Mario tenor things in, in whatever opera was around at the time. And he also sang on, on the radio, and he stressed the ability to be go from singing, you know, Il Mio Tesoro as a tenor to... You know, imagination is funny. It makes a cloudy day sunny. He was adamant about uh, being able to sing, healthy singing being an extension of healthy speaking is just sustained. So that's what how I was taught. So for me to move into this kind of music is kind of natural, and I like it. Well, you certainly answered my was my next question was because there's a lot of opera trained people that have have a problem doing. Uh, they do doing show tunes, and I, I've heard some of the greats, uh, and it's just uh, you know, I know, just it's, do the operas. <laughs> yeah, it, it has a lot to do with the way they produce sound, and you know, and and to be perfectly honest, the the, the their commitment to being gigantic resonators, you know, rather than being finding their way through the music based on what the words are telling them, yes. you know, sometimes, and this is. Another thing that I, you know, I, I learned working with my, you know, musical theater colleagues, when I, for example, when Mandy and I are putting, well, we're putting together our show, it kind of changes. We go by, yeah, the song it has to be something we like, but it, you know, we, we go by text, you know, and I love the freedom of being able to make an ugly sound in order to tell a story better. <laughs> I just think it's well, great. Well, let me re- refer to that. I would... I went with uh, one of your cast members, Renee Matthews. We went out to Ravinia. It was like 95 degrees. Yeah. And it was, you know, what, 9,000 people there. The, yeah. the pavilion was filled. And you and Mandy put on an unbelievable show. And actually, I think the show went longer than normal. You guys were yeah. sweating. And everything. Oh, my God. Boy, talk yeah. about, you know, leaving it on the stage. You guys just give it such a great show. That's what, that's what I love about. I love about, I mean, it's one of the things I love about Mandy. He's a, he's a, a good friend now and, you know, and, and in a lot of ways a, a mentor. But he is a hard worker. And I love that because I, I, you know, we, we all have, we, 
it might, it, well, I'm sure it's the same in, in musical theater, but we spend a lot of, I spend a lot of my time on the road and away from my family, and just because that you guys have to go where the house, the theater is, and um, uh, I don't like to waste time, and I love with Mandy, is like, you know, even when you rehearse, you're there to work, and you work until, you know, you're just not going to get good results anymore because you're too tired. But it's the same thing when you get on stage. It's not going to be a, a phoned-in performance. It's going to be a connection to the people that are in the audience, it, which changes the show, depending on who they are. But to connect with them and try to it, it, try to communicate as cleanly as possible and as purely as possible. Well, you certainly did, and and with the the older audience that was there on the under the pavilion in the heat, not yeah. one person left. I, isn't that amazing? Yeah, I know. Well, I, you know, it's, it was, uh, and, and the thing is, you know, you have to, we all come into this as performers knowing that, well, some people will want what you have to offer and some people will not want what you have to offer. And that's okay. But we'll still give everything we got. And, and I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I often, you know, tell my uh, colleagues, I, you know, I, I, it's, I think it's important for me. You know, at least once or twice a year to, you know, bring my family to some opera that I'm doing and pay full price for all those tickets because it's expensive to go to the opera. It and, sure is, yeah. And to the idea that you would give anything less than 100% to those people that have, have put you know, that much money behind what it is you do. Is just not right. So you know, I, I always like reminding myself that you know that's honorable. Uh, that's well, quite honorable of you, you to do that. But uh, and you know, I, I cover both musical theater and and opera, and I have uh, never seen an an opera performance where they didn't kind of give a, give it everything. You know, I didn't always yeah. like everything. Yeah. Versus some, yeah, versus sometimes seeing the tours that come through. When yeah. you see the so quote stars kind of walking through it like their car was uh, running out in the lobby, you know, out out in the street. Yeah. And boy, that that we just rip them when they do that. You you, you got to yeah. give people their money's worth. That's for sure. You do. You know, it's difficult because uh, in some ways it, it actually reminds me of an interview that Michael Jordan gave after he'd won who knows how many championships and all that. And they said, you know, why do you still do it? And he said to see if. I can do it without the motivation of winning a championship or without, without that desire to get a champion. Having achieved all the goals I've mm -hmm. set for myself, can I still perform it at the highest level? And I think when you're doing these tours and you're doing eight shows a week, I mean, wow, you know, yeah. I mean, it's the same character for two years. Yeah. Yeah. I did, um, my wife and I played the uh, Cafe Carlisle for three weeks. And for me, three weeks, eight shows a night. And I even left in between to go to a, you know, a, a, <laughs> to go to a, a fundraising event in, in Dallas and then do two song cycles back to back for a, a mentor of mine. So I, I had a little bit of variety in there, but, uh, I, you know, by the end of it, I was thinking, I'm not sure how much they would, I would have to be paid to be able to do this for two years straight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I know that, and I've asked actors that and they all, everybody has a different mindset. I guess a lot of them go back to that, uh, the old theory. It, it's the only night they're ever going to be there. And it's just the opening night is every night. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's how, how yeah. that works. But tell us about you working with your wife. I mean, that's an interesting yeah. story and, uh, and the, the U of I yeah. connection. 
Well, you know, uh, she's, uh, Julie is, uh, is Julie Gunn, well, Julie Jordan Gunn. She, uh, we met in college. She was actually starting her master's degree and I was, uh, beginning my freshman year. She, um, grew up partially in Germany and then, uh, in the Bay Area and went, got her undergrad at Dartmouth College and then ended up coming to U of I to study with this uh, famous accompanist coach named John Wissman. And, we, you know, we started dating and then eventually, uh, you know, much later started working together and, uh, and it was an interesting thing. We, we had always, we were wrong, but we thought that it would be odd for us to work together on stage. Like it would just seem like, well, you know, either, you know, she's getting the job because she's his wife or whatever. Like, and, um, and through a circumstance, uh, when I was making my Carnegie Hall debut in a recital, my accompanist, who was her teacher at the time, he had to cancel and head home for personal reasons. And she stepped in and played, and it was a a big success. Everybody realized that she's a tremendous pianist and oh, yeah. uh, accompanist. And, and from then on, we just didn't shy away from it. And it turns out that that's one of the things that people love the most about our uh, music making is that we're so close. We know each other so well, and we get to make music together. And it's kind of intriguing for people to see to see that relationship. And yeah. Well, I saw it in that Ravinia concert. I know yeah. Mandy had his guy who's been with yeah. him for a long time, and then you were she went because I said, "Wow!" Because I didn't know that uh, ahead of time. And yeah, and it, but there was there was this. I mean, you guys could finish each other's sentences. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it was funny that way because then, of course, Gideon came up and did a couple of numbers with his dad. Mm-hmm. And you have these people that, yeah. Well, I think that added a lot to that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I are think are so you too. guys still doing that show here yep. and there? Yeah. Yep. Okay. We're, yeah, we have a, a number of different bookings and the closest will be at the Cranet Center in, uh, in Champaign on the March 31st. Oh, okay. And they can, they, that's right. The schedule is on your, your website. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. But, uh, uh, that was such a marvelous show. All right. Let's get back to opera. Sure. Uh, besides the, uh, doing, you're going to be doing Showboat in the, as they move it? Uh, I, I'm going to do, see, this is the thing that most people don't realize about opera is that we book so far in advance, yeah. I mean, three, four years, sometimes five, that you can't necessarily accommodate everybody. So what I will be doing is going to, um, uh, going to do the production when it goes to San Francisco. I, okay. I just, I can't in Houston or, or uh, Washington. It just didn't work out. Yeah, cause with all, the, with all it. But you have been specializing in, in, uh, interpreting new works. Tell us about yeah. that. That's gotta be amazingly exciting cause there's so few new operas being, being written these days. Yeah. Yeah, there are. Well, there are. They're being written. It's just a very expensive endeavor to do so. And I've, been lucky. I mean, this, I have, it's been announced, I think, if I can say it, that there's a, an opera loosely based on uh, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene that's going to be done in San Francisco. That will be one of the next new pieces I do. Um, but I've done, gosh, uh, uh, the Aspirin Papers that we'll do in Dallas again, um, Brief Encounter by Andre Previn. Which is a beautiful opera. That yes, I've used. heard the music for that. I have not yeah. seen it yet. It's gorgeous. And then, uh, Love and Other Demons, which is this wild piece <laughs> based on the Gabriel Garcia Marquez book. And, 
and I've done a, I've done a lot of them. American Tragedy is a net of lots of them. And I, the reason I do and will continue to do so is because I, it occurred to me that all the great pieces that are out there, Showboat, even though there are many renditions of it, um, uh, La Boheme, uh, Notre de Figaro, Eugene Onegin, I mean, all of these, they had to have debuted at some point. And the people that were singing them at that time were, would be considered modern music singers, you know? So I kind of feel like it's, it's what, you know, kind of a responsibility to try to do what I can to put the best leg forward of any new piece that's being written. So if someone's committed to commissioning something because they believe in it, I, I like to be involved because it's different than that, you know. But, uh, but it's also risky too. I mean, there's. Oh, it's really risky. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. And, uh, which, which is kudos to you for taking the risk. Uh, but it's also, uh, once you nail it, you're kind of setting the standard. You're kind of, kind of making work for yourself for the future too, huh? Well, yeah. And uh, it, it also is one of those things where artistically you get to, and that's just operas. I mean, they do a lot of new song cycles as well and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, artistically, it's nice because, you know, you're not, you're not bound by tradition. You know, you don't have to do the same melismas that everybody who's ever sung Figaro and the Barber Seville has done. You can do whatever you want. And <laughs> it's kind of nice. It's it, also, to be honest, you know, for me be, to be able to sing Benjamin Britten, for me to be able to sing uh, new pieces by Peter Oakfish or some of the hardest musical pieces out there. And the, having come from the world of classical music, it allows me to go out and sing Lancelot and Camelot because they can't criticize my musicality. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if I could, if I'm, if I'm the, you know, the Billy Budd out there singing you know, Benjamin Britten is, you know, something I understand in my bread and butter. It's really okay if I sing Lancelot and nobody can, because, you know, because I want to. It's not because I can't sing other things and that I'm trying to slum yeah. it. I, I sing the music that I think is good. Do you think that's a trend uh, among the younger talents, <laughs> being able to move back and forth from the, uh, opera to to Broadway into song cycles? Uh, I think that it should be. It's one of those things that, uh, being a professor at the University of Illinois, I try to stress with my students. And also, I think it honestly is, a, is pedagogically a, a good tool because if you're singing in I, if you're singing in your own language in a song that you know from childhood, you can't make a pretend opera sound. You have to sing with your own voice. Ah, good point. And uh, and then they hopefully move that into the arias that they're singing as well. And what what languages do you do you sing in? Finnish? Yeah, I don't speak Finnish at all, so I had to get, you know, someone who is Finnish. Even Finnish people don't speak Finnish. They speak Swedish. It's like Gaelic for them. Is that so right? I, yeah. I, I, had they... get, I had to get someone. That makes it impossible, like a, doesn't it? Oh, uh, it sounds like a cross between Greek and Navajo. It's really, it's oh. one of those super primitive languages. Oh, my gosh. Uh, now, I was led to believe that you had to be really fluent in a language to, you know, like in German or Italian to do their operas. Certainly helps. Is I mean, that uh, true? It, yeah, I mean, it's a, what, what, Americans are 
particular, as well as Scandinavians, but Americans are really well known for um, being able to switch back and forth between lots of different languages. We're taught, we're given lots of instruction on correct diction and and you know, and that we should be taking constantly studying it. I mean, you know, my German's good enough to get by, and you know, and in Germany, and you know. Converse. I wouldn't want to speak about politics or anything like that, but I could have a decent conversation about poetry or food or just whatever. Same thing in Italian. So that it's, French isn't so great, but I'm always working. So on it's it. true then that uh, uh, you guys understand what you're singing. Oh, absolutely. Because somebody and, told me, "No, nah, they just learn the sounds. They don't know what they're saying." And I said, that oh, can't no, be no, true." No, no. no, that's not. I, I don't know how anybody could ever memorize anything that way. And to be honest, the, the, what happens when you're in rehearsals, because people are from all sorts of different parts of the world, is whatever language is most effective for like when I was in Spain, all the rehearsals were uh, done in Italian, just because Italian was, even though we had a German in the cast and an American in the cast and a lot of Spaniards in the cast, Italian was the language that everybody could speak. So we went to Italian. But and it, when I was in Houston doing um, uh, an opera in Italian, the conductor was Italian, so it was partially in Italian, partially in English, partially in Spanish. And sometimes, if we all understand all the languages, we'll just speak in our mother tongue, and everybody everybody does because we, it's just faster. So, yeah. so and so would speak in French, and I go, okay, I'll go do that, and he understands me. But it's, you know, the other Italian speaking in Italian, the German speaking in German, and we all just. It's weird. It's a, it is. <laughs> but that's a terrific insight, and I think our listeners will like that because I would never think of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what happens. It's, All right. It's we're really interesting we're running through. out of time, and I want to yeah. ask you a couple of questions. Okay. One would be, uh, one would be, what are some of you, the, the roles that you're proudest of? In, oh. in all the roles. I know that's a tough question, but. Yeah. yeah. Well, in the opera world? Yeah. yeah we're Billy, in both worlds. Yeah. Billy Budd. Okay. Billy Budd, in, in, uh, which is the title role of the Benjamin Britten opera, is, is the one that I, I think I have, that's always challenging me, but is one that I think I have figured out. Um, of the, so, of the song cycles, uh, uh, Ishuna Mulleran is by, uh, Franz Schubert is one that I've sung for years and years, and, it, and it's one that I continue to explore, and that I, I really believe I've brought something to, um, in general, I'm really very proud of the fact that I, I've created a lot of different roles, even with some of the operas that have not been repeated, I, and song cycles, um, I, I really enjoy that, um, and I, to be honest, you know, Gaylord Ravenel was a, was a challenge to me because, how do you make a character who abandons his family a sympathetic character? Yeah. You know? and it's always and, a, t- it's a challenge for everyone who has played it. And I've seen the yeah. show many times. And you know, in a way the modern world has helped because what I imagine happening at the end, we also changed a couple things musically. So he didn't seem like a creep, but yeah. um, what I imagine at the end is that he has gotten past his addiction to gambling and he's like, you know, like gambling anonymous or something. And he's, he's, Making amends with the people that he's hurt in his life, and that's why he's there. That's why, yeah, and it comes off that way in the production. Yeah, yeah it really does. It, it, um, we should be very, very proud of Showboat. Yeah, thank you. Last question. Sure. What shows or operas are just 
bugging you for you to do? Are you just saying, boy, if I could wave a magic wand, I want to <laughs> Well, once again, I want to continue to create uh, different different roles. Uh, and, and I actually would love to create a new role on Broadway, like in a new Broadway show. It's something really interesting, some kind of, I don't know who would write it. I mean, maybe Adam Gettle probably would suit my sort of, that yeah. kind of, you know. Yeah. Um, I'd love to do that. I I want to try my I want to at some point try Don Giovanni uh, and see how that works and I really want to sing and I will hopefully soon sing Billy Bigelow in Carousel. Oh, he would be great in that. Yeah. Well, that's one that uh, I hope that because the lyric is going to start doing a musical uh, each year. I know they're going to do Oklahoma, but I hope Carousel sort of follows pretty fast. Oh yeah. That would be a nice piece. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been great. And, folks, you got to get out to see uh, Showboat. If you only go to one musical a year, you know. It's a dig, great show. Dig down. You'll spend a few bucks, but it'll be worth it. It's a lifetime of memories. Yeah. Uh, it's probably the best production I've ever seen of it. And I thought the Hal Prince one would be pretty hard to beat. Yeah, this one's great. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly is. Thank you so much. And, folks, go see a play this week and go see an opera.